My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. That critical thinking, critical analysis from a feminist, equality, inclusive lens. So you don't just take a course that might be offered somewhere else and say, oh, well, we'll just have two women offer it. This is about take that course and we want a feminist lens on it. That was That's part of the voice of the Barbara training. Byers. She, Lori Job, and Donna Smith are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Barbara Byers is a longtime leader in Canada's labour movement. In the 1980s, she was president of the Saskatchewan Government and General Employees Union, then between 1988 and 2002, she was the president of the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor, or SFL. She later served as an executive vice president and then secretary-treasurer of the Canadian Labor Congress, and she retired in 2017. Notwithstanding the presence of buyers and a few other high-profile women in leadership roles in recent years, the labor movement, just like most institutions in our society, has not always been a particularly hospitable place for women. Of course, there have been women members and activists going back over a century, and feminist organizing within the labor movement took off in a powerful way starting in the 1970s and 1980s. But even today, there are still labor movement contexts that are not welcoming to women. And women face additional barriers to participation and to accessing leadership roles, inevitably complicated and compounded for black women, indigenous women, racialized women, queer women, trans women, and disabled women. In the 1990s, Byers was the president of the SFL. She and other feminist activists made a couple of attempts to initiate a labor education program focused on the needs of women in the labor movement. They tried initially through the formal channels of the labor movement bureaucracy, and it never quite worked. But then they tried a more grassroots approach, an open organizing committee filled with any women that wanted to participate from all different corners of the labor movement, with some administrative support from the SFL. And they made it happen. The Prairie School for Union Women has been going strong for around 25 years. Lori Job is a healthcare worker. She's the current president of the SFL and chair of its women's committee, and she's been involved in organizing the Prairie School in recent years. And Donna Smith is staff at the SFL, with a focus on human rights, particularly queer rights, and she's been involved in the Prairie School in one way or another pretty much since it started. The Prairie School is an annual four-day learning event for trade union women. Though organized in Saskatchewan, these days there is significant participation from women from Manitoba and Alberta as well, and even a handful each year from farther afield. The goal of the school is to help women develop a wide range of personal and leadership skills, and to build solidarity among women workers. It is grounded in principles of feminism, equality, and popular education. The topics offered have covered a broad range over the years. It always includes skills useful in the union context. Things like public speaking, how to write and introduce a resolution, how to run for an elected position, and just how to work collectively. For a long time now, every year has included at least one Indigenous-focused workshop. And there is lots of attention to human rights questions, domestic violence, queer rights, disability, anti-racism, and so on. Throughout all of the workshops, the content is not necessarily the same as might be delivered at a standard labor educational. 
Everything is participatory and uses a popular education approach, and the organizers insist that everything be taught using a feminist lens. The organizers have always emphasized making the school a space that welcomes women who are first-time attendees, and particularly women who don't have much experience yet with their own union or with the broader labor movement. The event has always offered top-notch on-site childcare so that women with small children can attend and participate, and they find ways to subsidize the cost for a certain number of women each year. The event has been held at a few different locations over the years, and lately in Waskasoo National Park in Saskatchewan. Last year the event was cancelled due to the pandemic, but this year it's happening online from June 22nd to 25th, and given that it will be online, they're welcoming participants from across the country. I speak with Byers, Job, and Smith about the past and present of the Prairie School for Union Women. I'm Lori Job. I'm president of the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor. I'm also chair of our women's committee. I have been a healthcare worker my entire working life, which is, I'll say, more than 30 years. And I've been involved with my union that entire time. Generally, my main focus was occupational health and safety. That has been my passion. But for the past 10 or 15 years, I have been more involved with issues important to women, particularly domestic violence and women's rights, childcare, things like that. And of course, Prairie School for Union Women is a really, really big part of who I've become. And the Prairie School for Union Women offers trade union women an intensive four-day learning and sharing in a supportive environment. The goals of the school are to develop women's personal and leadership skills and to build solidarity among women workers. I'm Donna Smith, and I work at the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor and have been involved in the Prairie School for Union Women in one way or another, either participant, facilitator, now coordinator, since its inception, I guess. I basically have worked in the labor movement since I was 16, over 40 years. I started over 40 years ago with SGU and then moved over to Saskatchewan Federation of Labor. I've been working at the NFL for the last 18 years. Most recently, my focus has been on human rights and in particular, queer rights. I've been on a lot of national committees involved with LGBTQ2S plus social justice issues between the Canadian Labor Congress and QP National and also, of course, the SFL. That's sort of been my focus since the 90s, I guess. So social justice is definitely my passion, and I feel like I've kind of grown up in the labor movement. Hi, it's Barb Byers here. I was the president of the Federation of Labor when we started the school and have been involved when I was at the Canadian Labor Congress in Ottawa for 15 years. I often couldn't get out to the school because of some other responsibilities I had at the same time, but somehow I managed to stay connected to it through that time. And then since I've come back, Lori and Donna and others have graciously included me in continuing the tradition. I am one of those union members that are often talked about about being unengaged. I was a union member for eight years before I actually even discovered what that organization was that took dues off my check every month. Got involved in 1979 in my own union, Saskatchewan Government and General Employees Union, around the time that we had the first ever general strike of a provincial government employees union in Canada got involved and learned very quickly. It was a steep learning curve. Became president of the union a couple of years later, then became president of the Federation of Labor in Saskatchewan. I loved every minute of that 14 years. 
And then in 2002, I went to the Canadian Labour Congress first as an executive vice president and then as the secretary treasurer. And my involvement has been across a wide section, obviously feminist, anti-racist work, a lot of inclusive work. And also labor education is part of my passion and labor education from a transformative perspective that we're not just going and giving a course, but we actually move people to be able to take on a lot of the issues on their own and then also for them to be able to help others move. So there's a lot of things that I'm passionate about, including Medicare and workplace education and all of those sorts of things. But I think if you go back, it's the feminist, equality work, and the labor education that really comes together in a very strong way. What are the origins of the Prairie School for Union Women? I was president of the Federation of Labor beginning in 1988 until 2002. And sometime in the 1990s, we had tried a couple of times to establish something like the Prairie School for Union Women. We knew about the BC or the Pacific Northwest women's seminars. And we were curious about whether we could do the same thing. But, you know, taking it through our normal processes of the Federation, it just didn't catch fire. And then one of our great labor educators from Saskatchewan went to the Pacific Northwest School one year, came back and said, why can't we do this in Saskatchewan? So we got a group of women together from a variety of places. It was not done through the normal, you know, unions appoint somebody to a committee to work on this. It was very wide open. Anybody who wanted to be involved could be involved. And we wanted to establish not a conference, but an annual school for women activists of various ages and stages and backgrounds. We wanted to found it in the principles of equality and respect. We wanted it to be a place where women could also talk through issues that they may not understand totally, but they were curious about and wanted to know how to do things better or how to understand things better. And we wanted to build it as a learning place throughout the year. So it wasn't simply the act of putting on the school and the courses that happened there. It was about learning that took place in the whole year leading up to the school. So we had women, for example, that had never been involved in putting on labor education that were learning skills around how do you put something like this together. So took that on. We had women that wanted to learn more about programming and how do you balance programming. So they started to learn that. We were so fortunate that we had some incredible labor educators, women activists, feminists, equality activists that took us to that point where we were doing this on a year-round basis of skills development. Every year, for example, at the school, we would leave it open to people and say, anybody who wants to volunteer to be on the committee could do that. So they didn't have to go through the union processes of being appointed and so on. I think what they got out of it, in addition to all sorts of learning, was pizzas about once a month when we had our meetings. And the Federation of Labor was involved, but from an administrative looking after the books sort of thing. We wanted to make sure that it was on a break-even basis so that no one could come after the women in the organizations and say, well, there's this huge expense. And we wanted it to be a place as well for women to be able to bring their children and also to have a whole bunch of fun that was learning at the same time. 
that's sort of the basis. It really was based in a different way of doing labor education. And in some respects, a different way of doing women's conferences, if you want to equate it to a conference. And talk about the context of the need for this event. Why was it important to have this kind of labor education event specifically for women? What I think and what I've heard and what I feel is that when it started, which was almost 25 years ago, the labor movement wasn't a real safe place for women in terms of having a place to go where you could take part in education and, you know, talk about being a feminist and feel the safety of women around you and learn and have all those things that the school brought. Because in most cases, it was the brothers in the unions that were participating in the education that were the leaders of the organizations, and that were the ones that were attending conferences and schools and things like that. So I think that this was an opportunity for women that maybe didn't have a strong voice in their union to participate and to be part of something really, really fantastic. One of the things that always really gets me pumped about the school is the number of first-time participants. And I think that's because it is such a safe space. And we've always pushed that, I think, that we want first-time participants, so women that maybe have never taken another union education course at all. And it's kind of where they can maybe get their feet wet or get started, but at the same time, feel comfortable to speak out and just be like a sponge and soak up all the amazing women that are there and all of their knowledge and how they got to where they are. There's a history in the labor movement. As Lori said, our gatherings have not always been and are still not always safe places for people. And so we wanted to have a place where women could talk through the issues from a women's perspective and that were supportive throughout that. We wanted to be able to give women the confidence and the skills to be able to speak out in their own organizations. We wanted them to have support. And it was to be a safe place. And at the same point, we pushed the envelope, if I can put it that way, on some of the courses that were offered that were not being offered in the normal CLC or Federation of Labor Schools across the country. We were pushing that envelope to say there are other equality issues. So we wanted to make sure that women who came understood that there was an intersectionality as well, as we call it now. I don't know that we use that term but that there was a coming together of other issues of equality. And it wasn't about equality being a contest between, you know, who would get the most attention, whether it would be the women's issues or would it be GLBT issues or would it be anti-racist issues or would it be disability rights? It was about we have a responsibility to support all of those equality issues because none of us can move forward so long as any of those groups are held back. You know, we took some risks. We pushed some interesting boundaries that the labor movement generally hadn't. Give listeners a rundown of the substance of the Prairie School itself. What the courses are like, what kind of environment you try to create, what you hope women get out of it, how it's evolved over the years, that kind of thing. It's changed formats a few times in the sense of it's changed location. We started out in a group sort of setting in Coppell Valley. It was the old sanatorium. And then we lost that location. We ended up going to the university for a couple of years. That didn't work as well because people went home after some state because they had to from out of town. But anybody that was in Regina went home and it just didn't have the same feel. And then we ended up in Waska Sioux. 
which is a national park in Saskatchewan, beautiful, rustic cabins and things. But I think once people get over the initial sort of maybe the accommodation isn't amazing for some of them, it's just the spirit of taking over the town, having different food, being able to go for walks in nature and bears and elk and all of it becomes part of the experience. So it's changed that way. And all the facilitators use popular education. I don't know if they did right at the very beginning, but it's certainly become that's the only way. If you're going to facilitate, you can't be a talking head. You have to be participatory and allow everyone to be able to talk and participate. And then the childcare, yeah. it's better than any childcare I've seen at any place that I've gone for conferences or conventions. And it's on-site childcare. The kids are engaged. They come to the meals. It's like if you're a parent with a young child, you're going to love it because your kids are going to love it and they're going to be comfortable there and have the best care. So that's a big thing with our school as well. We used to have a system where in about January of every year, all of the facilitators that went to Prairie School, as well as ones that used to go to our spring school, were brought together for a weekend to do some workshopping on some issues that we were all learning about together. So again, that's part of that transformative learning that we were supporting those people as well that people could learn some new skill about how to do that popular education if they needed some help. So it was all based on that, but it was about providing some support to our facilitators. When you say, how has it changed? Well, in lots of ways, it may be the names of courses and we've grown in some areas, but in reality, I don't see big differences. We always wanted to offer skills for brand new activists and whether that was, you know, health and safety for women or what is being part of a union or whatever it may be. We wanted to ensure that we were offering an Indigenous perspective. So our program on unionism on Turtle Island was a key component. We wanted to ensure that there were emerging issues. So it may be, for example, the work that the labor movement has done over the last 10 years on domestic violence and the workplace. We wanted to ensure that there was new courses. So when we first started out, there was actually a requirement that no course could be offered more than two years in a row. That also forced us to ensure that we were continually refreshing. We weren't just looking at things saying, well, these are the ones that have worked well, so we'll go with them. Refreshing of facilitators as well. It was the idea, again, we were going to be training new people. John is quite right about the childcare issue. We were really clear that we were not going to have a women's school without childcare. And the other one was something for women to do in the off hours so that there was, well, we're in Waskasu now, so there was lots of outdoor things. There were all sorts of activities. We had a group of women called the Wise Women who would come around and plan activities for the evenings, for the early mornings. So the day was full of learning together. And having fun together as well. One more thing we usually have is femtors. You know, instead of mentors, we call them femtors. And we try to make sure if a woman is coming from away and doesn't know anybody, I mean, you go to conferences, you're nervous, right? So we make sure that they either buddy up with somebody or that they know that if you're not sure what to do, we make it really clear to them who they can talk to and where they can go so that they feel comfortable right from the get-go. And we also, in that vein, we meet them at the bus if they're coming by the bus or whatever, and we make sure they get to their places. And we just try to make it as easy as possible. And being not in a hotel setting, I just think makes the school 
100% better, in my opinion, anyway. Yep. There's never been a time when I've been at Prairie School that at the end of the week, the very last day, where somebody doesn't come and they're crying and they're giving you the biggest hug you probably ever had and telling you that Prairie School has actually changed their life. It's got that kind of an impact. And it's not just for one or two people that are there. It's for a majority of the women that are there, and especially the first-time people that don't really participate in a lot of things. It really is moving the way that you can see people change throughout the week. And it's quite incredible to witness and to feel. There's a variety of workshops that we do, and we rotate a lot of them. We have one that we rotate about every two or three years called Women Work and Ability, and it attracts women that might have some physical challenges in their workplace. We also always offer Turtle Island, which is a really, really important workshop. Although this year, because there isn't a virtual way to deliver that workshop, we're having a new workshop and it's called Making Land Acknowledgements Matter. We always try to do a human rights workshop or something based around human rights and, you know, a leadership one, um, speaking out. I did a course a couple of years ago and it was basically getting women more prepared to take on elected positions or at least running for elected positions in their unions, in their municipalities, federally, provincially, that sort of thing. There were people who came because they were curious and were thinking they might do something like that. But coming out of that course, there were a lot of people who left saying, I can do this. And in fact, some of them did do it. A few times we've offered courses even for skills like women in trades. I think for several years we offered how to wire a new plug if you run it over with your lawnmower, that kind of thing. Just some basic sort of skills that way even. We haven't offered that one for a little while because it's difficult to have the space to do that and all the equipment. But we just want women to come and learn whatever skills they're looking for. And a lot of it is team building, making lifelong friends in the labor movement and people to support you so that if you decide to run for a leadership position and you get bashed or whatever, you maybe have someone that you can contact. A lot of it is just working together, right? As feminists, we need to stick together because we're often under attack. Besides the skills they learn from the actual workshop they take, it's more than that. It's the whole school itself that teaches them a lot of team skills and working together skills and how to get what you need. We're teaching these courses with a feminist and equality lens. Now, we're hoping that in the co-ed schools, there is a similar equality lens being put on things. But this is a space where, for example, if we're dealing with a health and safety course, to talk about health and safety with a feminist lens about why don't current health and safety laws actually work well for some women in some workplaces? You know, what are some of those differences and why and what do we need to do about it? Or the course that we were doing about women taking political action. It's about having those discussions about what is the difference for a woman to run for office and what are the standards that she's judged on differently? So it wasn't like, here's the formula. It was about people actually doing that critical thinking, critical analysis from a feminist, equality, inclusive lens. So you don't just take a course that might be offered somewhere else and say, oh, well, we'll just have two women offer it rather than, you know, co-facilitators in a co-ed situation. This is about take that course and we want a feminist lens on it. That was part of when we used to do the training with the facilitators was to get them to dig into that. And just one more thing on what we hope that women might get out of it is confidence. 
from my own personal experience, the more I went to different courses, especially at Prairie School, the more confident I got to be able to speak up and to eventually be a facilitator and to be, I guess, a leader. So we want women to feel that they can get some confidence by being in a women's only space to run for positions in their unions or elected positions or whatever, or just to speak up at a meeting. We have one course called Women Speaking Up, and they just practice talking on mics, giving speeches, but it might be how to introduce a motion or how to, you know, formulate a resolution and then speak on it. So it's some basic skills on just getting the confidence to get to a mic, because often that's a barrier for women. Just one thing that, not that it's changed, but it's become more prevalent, is just the need for the voices of all women. It's just so important that the voices of Indigenous women and women of colour, women with disabilities, queer, trans, young and mature women, we need all of those voices there. And it is very hard. But the women that sometimes come to these schools over and over, we ask them to just, you know, maybe give a little bit of space. In other words, let some other women that are maybe struggling for equity take on some of these positions or take on some of the roles that we need to make our movement truly representative of diversity. How are things going to be different this year because of COVID? Obviously, it's going to be very different because we're not going to be together. We're only offering three workshops and they're all going to be virtual. We're very limited in terms of being able to even present the materials because a lot of the workshops that we would typically do haven't been converted to virtual workshops yet. Last year, we had to cancel altogether and that was really disappointing for all of us. So at least this year, we're able to offer some workshops and to bring the group back together to bring in new women and to introduce them to Prairie School. And of course, we're going to incorporate so many of the things that Prairie School is all about, the inclusiveness and the feminism, and to make sure that people have an opportunity to speak up and to ask questions and those kinds of things. We've got amazing facilitators that are very well-versed in the virtual learnings. Hopefully, it'll give them a taste so that they'll want to come to our next face-to-face Prairie School, which will be in 2022, with any luck at all. You'll find our brochure on the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor website, but you'll also find it if you just Google Prairie School for Union Women. Any questions that you have, you can contact us at the Federation of Labor. We're more than happy to talk to anybody about our school, and we really, really are so proud of it. As Donna mentioned, we need to make space for all women. Every single one that is interested would have a spot with us. You have been listening to my interview with Barbara Byers, Lori Job, and Donna Smith about the Prairie School for Union Women. It's running this year as a virtual event from June 22nd to 25th, and they invite trade union women from across the country to take part. To find out more about it, enter Prairie School for Union Women into your favorite search engine. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Oh,